Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of the hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. <laughs> that was demonic. <laughs> I'm Jenny. I'm Dan. Let's get rocking and rolling. Three episode two, it's a bad world after all. I was gonna do that too. <laughs> Air date September nineteenth, nineteen ninety four. Sydney's getting grilled hard as fuck. Yeah. So for season three, they're really doing these cold opens. This is now uh, the second time we've seen this. We don't get the opening credits. It's like a little scene. They just want to wanna get in. Yeah, they're like, hook ya. Which was probably really dope at during like 94. Like Now you, like all the shows do it. Yeah, but you know, you're just like waiting. Like, you're oh shit, Melrose is on. Or you and know then, what like, they probably People did. think they missed it, you know? Yeah, or they like probably showed it at the, like they just... They didn't even air commercials after the last television show and went right. straight in to be like, we're getting you hooked. Yeah, we're going to kick it off with some really, really gritty, gritty beginning. Like, just like it never, it never stopped, you know, because this picks up right after Sydney is arrested. Yeah. So she is in an interrogation room and the cops or the detectives are there grilling her about her involvement in this attempted murder on Michael. And the whole time she's just very adamant that she had nothing to do with it. Kimberly is the mastermind. And And here's something you (laughs) definitely don't say during questioning of a hit and run. Sure. I thought about killing Michael. What? Yeah, don't (laughs) cop to that. And then she's also revealed the whole plan of her and Kimberly trying to drug Michael and then kill him with carbon monoxide poisoning. I would have just left that part out. Yeah, let it lie, sweetheart. Yeah, so she's totally like laid all the cards on the table. And she even said, look, I have waived my right to an attorney because I just want to help you in catching this person. This is all wrong. That's. Not a good move, Sydney. Very dangerous, Sid. Um, she's singing to the cops, blaming Kimberly. She's like, I'm telling you, it's Kimberly Shaw. That's S-H-A-W. And the cops are like, all right, we'll look into it. And then we cut to the opening credits. Kind of hard to get used to this. I mean, it's it's shorter than before. We've got the new little look and turn to the camera. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of miss the old one. Yeah, you're super like hung up on. I'm like nostalgic. Like I want the old stuff. Come back. We still want the the little music ditty from season one. <laughs> We talk about this all the time. When they cut to a different scene and it's all happy and it just goes... (laughs) It's like 
like a synthesizer that's like, and every time we cut to a new scene, me and Dan always look at each other and go, like they're going to do it. And they never do. Because it's so serious now. It's so serious. But so we got an opening. The credits have ran. We got the opening. Um, like really weird strange. montage of scenes. Yeah, this was confusing. So first, we this was see- like a Stanley Kubrick opening. <laughs> <laughs> like what? This is so artsy. First, we see like a skyline of I don't even know if that's downtown or if it's Century City, but it's like a an orange sky at sunset. And then, for some inexplicable weird reason, we go to a milkman <laughs> delivering the milk. Altadena, which is a milk brand in it California. Is, it is, and he, but he's literally like he's an old school milkman, like delivering milk to he's somebody's straight house. up delivering milk. <laughs> Straight up, we did, like what is that about? And then there, this has got to be. Um, Santa Monica Boulevard, where she's running (laughs) through Beverly Hills. Yeah. But there's clearly a nice sidewalk to run on. So it's just some random woman jogging down the street. And for whatever reason, she's choosing to run on the grass as opposed to run on the sidewalk. It's got to be because that that was the nicer looking shot. Because you saw the camera was like angled. They wanted to get like the palm trees lined up. Yeah. And the sidewalk just wasn't. It wasn't a nicer looking out. So they were like, just run out, just run weird. <laughs> sure. And then our, our favorite <laughs> royalties free song of the episode. Have you heard <laughs> the word? Have, Have you, you heard? heard? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we get such a different experience um, from, like, from what the actual viewers got because. This music is just so Have you heard? <laughs> okay. What 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 song do you think was there? Oh my god. Oh. I I think it was like a Cheryl Crow song. I was thinking like oh well maybe on the sun coming up on the Santa Monica Boulevard. Here's the milkman. All I wanna do is have some fun. Maybe. Or or like my hand is not my own. <laughs> They're not yours. <laughs> is that Jewel? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my hands are small. <laughs> Here's your milk. <laughs> you okay. Woo! That's All just right. the opening credits, guys. <laughs> We're here all night. People are like, skip, skip, skip. Okay, so next scene, we're at D&D. Bruce comes into Amanda's office because he's heard through the grapevine that a little magazine called Escapade is looking for a new advertising agency. Oh, boy. He says, isn't Allison's new husband employed there? I mean... Could we maybe have an in to try to get the temperament of the people and kind of like the work environment and uh, really determine how we could have a competitive edge over other ad agencies that are bidding for this new account? Yeah. And technically speaking, don't you think a magazine would handle their ads internally? Like they have Uh, their own like group. 
that like we build our own ads and we place them in our own magazine. Well, may no no no, maybe it's to market the actual magazine. So it's not to sell ads within the magazine. How do you it's market to like, a magazine? Have you ever seen a commercial for like people? Yeah. <laughs> you have? I feel like I have. Buy our magazine. <laughs> I feel I think like maybe not on television, but maybe on like online or something. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they're in the market for a new ad company and uh, Bruce is like doesn't Allison's husband work for this magazine? Maybe he could help us get the get the account. And the man is like, "Well, it didn't really work out that way." But good news, even though Allison and Billy might not be a thing anymore, I'm still friends with yeah. Billy, so I'll talk with him and maybe if I can get some numbers of what they're looking to spend and kind of figure that out too, I mean that could help us. Yeah. And I just thought it, Bruce has to know the relationship, the triangle there. How? Because Amanda had to probably miss a significant amount of work time for the uh, miscarriage that she had with Billy. You know, you don't have to disclose the reason that you're missing work. You're just like to I'm your superior. sick. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. You would, no, you wouldn't go to your employer and tell them some intimate detail like that. And then Unless Billy, you have an, a relationship with them that would merit that. But I really don't think she and Bruce have that kind of relationship. And Billy used to be at D&D like every day. Hi, guys. And he's just like strolling. Well, Bruce I'm taking you to like lunch this time. Executive. No, I'm taking you to lunch. I don't, I think Bruce would just know. Okay. Like, oh, yeah. Amanda, you used to date him. So he leaves the office and then there's a call and it happens to be Allison. And guess what? She's going to Wisconsin. Yeah. And Al and Amanda chooses to just omit this information that they're going to try to contact Billy and get insider tips. And, and to mention, Bruce wants, he didn't want to say it, but Amanda's just like, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll, we, we get some financial figures from him as well and that'll help. And he was like, I didn't say it. <laughs> so next scene, we're back at the beach house. And this is the first time that Michael is going home after the accident. Oh, God. He's got gauze on his head. He's <laughs> all just he's, like wobbly. He's being led by Kimberly. And he's like, oh, wow, this, I'm not familiar with this at all. Are you sure I lived here? Yeah. What's he think? Like, oh, sorry, Michael. Yep. You don't live here. Let's go to the other place. Well, look at it from his perspective, Dan. Like, he does not have a memory from anything except his medical knowledge. <laughs> That's it, remember? Are, are you sure I live here? And Kimberly does let him know that, yes, sweetheart, you and I did live here together. And he really, he wishes, he wants to remember, but he's really just like super thankful that Kimberly is taking such great care of him. And, uh, Kimberly says some bullshit like, the only thing you need to remember is that I love you. And they begin making out, but then there's a knock on the door. Kimberly goes to answer it, and it turns out that it's Roger Chambers, the assistant DA, and he's got a couple of questions for Kimberly based on his interview with Sydney. That's right. 
he says that Sydney has alleged that the two of them had tried to do away with Dr. Mancini before, which I thought was a very weird choice of words. <laughs> Roger Chambers is played by uh, Tim Russ. Um, he is no, you know what he, oh shit, he was in Spaceballs with okay. Daphne Zuniga. Oh, maybe there's a little um, connection there. Yeah, he was a trooper in Spaceballs. He was in Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek of Gods and Men. And he's, he's still working. He's got stuff in the can for like 2019 already. Wow. Yeah. So look out for him. He's on 911. Our favorite, oh our new favorite God. show. I love nine one one so much. Nine one one's great. When Guys. that moon bounce fell down the side of the cliff with the kids still in it. Yeah. Whoa. Guys, side note: if you're not watching nine one one intensity, you gotta watch it. It's insane. Maximum intensity. Okay. But oh, and uh, one last thing about him: he's in Sharknado three. Oh hell no. Okay, so we really needed to have that tidbit of information. Tim Russ. Tim Russ. Okay, so. Kimberly totally denies all of this and says, oh, what a poor girl. No, I'd never want to do away with Michael. You see this? This is my engagement ring. And Sydney is just very upset that Michael left her for me and now she's trying to seek revenge. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of issues. Let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. Bye. Yes, Sydney said that she tried to kill Michael with carbon monoxide once. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> and she also acknowledges that Sydney came to her trying to look for an alibi and wanted to say that she was with Kimberly and that she was like, I couldn't lie. I mean, I couldn't do that. So she says that she'd do anything to help. And then she ushers out the detective on his way. Yep. Now we're back to the pretty lady. Jake rolls up to the boat and he's greeted by, morning, Captain. And Brittany's still there. Still there. She says that she had a great sleep on the boat. But too bad I was alone. Oh. Oh. You just don't understand how grateful I am to you, Jake. Why don't you let me show you? And then Jake <laughs> says, look, why don't you find another place? <laughs> Get the fuck out, you thought. And and uh, she she responds to this like she just she doesn't hear negativity. It just bounces off of her. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I don't think you understand how grateful I am. I'm going to go get you some lunch. Yeah. So she she's out. She says that she'll be back next up. We are in Wisconsin with Allison and Meredith, and they've made the decision to go to the authorities about their father and they're seeking legal counsel about this. Right. And you know who that lawyer is, right? No. Oh man. That is the lawyer is Harry Allen, but the actor is James Hampton. Do you know what he's from? No. What? Babe, I told you no. He's from Teen Wolf. He's Michael J. Fox's dad in Teen Wolf. Big time. Teen Wolf. Uh, okay, I've seen the movie like a while ago, but it's not anything that I'd be like, yeah, I know this. Oh, I, I thought that was going to be a more, a bigger thing because I like freaked out when I saw him. Okay, so uh, my question is, how did Allison talk Meredith into doing this? Well, she clearly didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, like last we saw, 
it was like Meredith was like, we can forget about daddy. He's gone out of our lives. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe it was the whole wrestling with a gun thing. Maybe. That got her. Um, so um, the lawyer thinks they have a case, but they're going to have a hard time. He, he's saying like, look, it's going to be a hard time to, uh, to take down the owner of Parker Hardware and the sponsor of a young boy's soccer team. And then Allison goes apeshit on him. And she's like, we don't care if it's hard. He did this and the world needs to know. Yeah. So basically, we're establishing that Mr. Parker does have a pretty prominent presence in the community. He's very, um, he's looked on, like looked up to a lot of people um, think that he's an upstanding citizen. So it's going to be a very tough battle to wage against him. Yeah. I mean, Parker Hardware really sounds like the heart and soul of a community. <laughs> <laughs> what what would Wisconsin do without, without Parker Har- Hardware? No, Dan. And that little boys soccer team. Gosh, you know, if they found out that there's a possibility that Mr. Parker could be a child molester, I mean, what would he? What would the? What would the kids do? It's insane. Yeah. Next scene, we're over to Shooters, where Amanda's waiting to speak with Billy. And I forgot that they hated each other. I thought this was going to be a, oh, hey, how you doing? But Billy strolls up and he's like, what do you want, Amanda? What's this all about, huh? You said on the phone it has to do with business. What kind of business do I have with you? And P.S., I'm not talking about Allison. <laughs> and she's like, I'm be- I was beginning to think you wouldn't show up. Um, if you're done with all your preemptive strikes, let's get to it. So she then begins to detail her little plan about trying to get the Escapade magazine account and says that this could be a really big benefit for Allison because then she could handle the account and work with Billy directly. Yeah, and then she's like, and it'll be good for you because you got Allison like a good, another like big responsibility at D&D. So I think she was hinting at like, maybe she'll like you more and marry you. (laughs) Well, Billy says, I don't know. Nancy's pretty tough. I don't know how I would be able to sway her decision about the ad agency she hires. Yeah, and then she's like, don't worry. I've got a plan. Oh, and any plan of Amanda's is diabolical. Yep. So next scene, we're back at the beach house, and Michael and Kimberly are having a nice little intimate talk. Yeah. I, I, I don't like non-memory Michael <laughs> because he's so vanilla he's so like oh, oh thank I, you. I can't thank you enough I feel like such an invalid here I don't know how you could be attracted to me and but you know what I think is gonna happen what I think he is going to get his memory back but not tell anyone and like play and it be able to play them yeah and he'll see who's like fucking with him and then that'll that'll pull the veil off of Kimberly. Well, that's a good prediction. At this point, however, we are led to believe that Michael seriously does not have any recollection of his past. And Kimberly assures him that she knows how it feels to be disfigured because she is. Right. And in a crazy turn of events, she takes off her wig, revealing her little like her scar. I feel like she looked like her hair kind of reminds me of like a little baby chicken. Ew. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? I feel like that haircut like now would be like acceptable as like, oh, it's cute. Right. <laughs> in what circles? But in 94, it was like. <gasps> <laughs> so she shows him the scar above her ear. And she, she tells him the story of the accident. As if the person driving wasn't Michael. Yeah, and she's like, a very bad man did this to me. And Michael was like, you're beautiful, Kimberly. You're beautiful. And just and like starts... Like, Look at this. It's horrible, <laughs> I know. And it's like, Kimberly, it's a scar on your head. Your hair is going to grow back and totally cover it up. Ew, but then Michael starts kissing it. <laughs> Why is... He's just like, Kimberly, it's cool. I like it. <laughs> And then, all right, Michael doesn't know anything, but he knows, like, I need to, like, make out with her and do this. Well, because she's, like, seducing him. Yeah, but so he doesn't remember Kimberly, right? No. He doesn't remember her, but Dan, you can't. He only remembers hospital. You can't stamp out a man's primal urges. So at this point, Michael is a man who is about to have sex. With a woman he only knows cooked him two dinners. Well, he's being told that that's his girlfriend and this is like normal for him. Yeah. So let's head over back to the boat. God, I hate the boat. (laughs) And I don't know why Amanda's delivering lunch to Jake. Last we saw them, remember? It's like an Easter basket. Yeah, and remember the last interaction that Jake and Amanda had? Jake dumps her, and Amanda was like, well, go ahead, Jake, walk out the door, but don't expect me to be waiting here for you after you find yourself. But But here she is delivering lunch to him? Because she's weak. She's she's only fake strong. She's weak. She needs that D. Jake's Jake's got the pipe. Okay. So... She knocks on the door, and lo and behold, Brittany Maddox opens up. And did you love this little detail? She comes out wearing no bra, might I add, mm-hmm. with a like white tank top. And mm-hmm. as she's like talking to Amanda, she's like fiddling with the bottom hem of her shirt, and then she just ties it in a knot to show off her stomach. Yeah, so like, she's like, "Oh, hey, what's oh, up?" Hey, yeah, Jake's out. He just went to go sign some papers, but he'll be right back. Do you want to wait for him? We just made a pot of coffee, like inferring that like they did it together. Yeah. And Amanda's like, "Uh, I'm good. I'm going to leave. And then Brittany's like, should I give him a message? And that just says, tell him he's a lying pig. (laughs) But it's kind of like, okay, you guys are broken up. You basically wrote Jake off. Well, he dumped relationships in general, remember? So she thinks he's in a new relationship. He could, she could just be a side piece. Yeah, but then he was like, I'm dumping relationships all together. Yeah. I don't like the concept. Anyway. <laughs> so she thinks he lied about that. Now we go back to uh, Locked Up with Sydney. <laughs> Um, Sydney is talking to Matt. Yeah, Matt came to visit her in the jail. I'm trying to, trying to process why Matt would ever agree to go there. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. I don't understand. Matt is a good Samaritan. He's always looking to help people. Maybe Sydney had reached out to him and asked that he come talk with her. I mean, just because Matt is innately a good person and wants to 
just make people happy? <laughs> I don't know. I want Matt's storyline to take like a real major turn and I want him to like find God and like and become like a man of the cloth. Like or, a priest. Or like he has to go to one of those camps that try to like pray the gay away. Oh that yeah. would be awesome and then like he has to like fight against them and then like he he like leaves i mean that could be a crazy dramatic yeah or just like he needs to become like a spiritual healer so where he's just like a good like gandhi figure well i feel like that's the role he plays already yeah but i want him in like garb I want him with like a. He's co- got to be in robes. I want him with like a Coachella, <laughs> like jewel glued to his forehead and like chakra. So he should start a cult, <laughs> yes. maybe. Okay, well that could work. Yeah. So Sydney's like, oh, thank you for. I, di- I didn't know that. I didn't know that you would come. And he's like, why? Because you think I'm gullible. <laughs> She's like, I I knew you were the only one who would believe me. And he says, why? Because you think I'm gullible? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, no, because you know how twisted Michael and Kimberly are. And she's, and uh, this is my favorite line from this conversation. The two doctors from hell are trying to get me executed. <laughs> and Matt's like, relax, boo. I don't think you can get the death penalty for, for a hit and run. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, this shows how, like, immature and like unknowing sydney is she is she's always like freaking out over like hey just relax so she continues to maintain it's kimberly i know it is this is her whole plan yeah now we go to mancini designs (laughs) and dude is just like sucking jane's neck at work yeah, so the retailer, remember we were just going to call him the retailer. I don't yeah. know what his name is, but he's Jane's new business partner. And we can kind of ascertain that their relationship has taken on new levels because they are making out at work. Right. They're, they're, they're hot for each other. She like turns around and just starts making out with him. He's and like, I've just noticed you have such a beautiful neck. Oh, really? When do you want to see the rest of me? Mm. So it's like, whoa. I they... think I think his, his character name is Chris Marchetti. Uh. Chris Marchetti. And yeah, and he's played by Andrew Williams, who, um, yeah, he's not known for much. Oh, he was on like Acapulco Heat. <laughs> I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Acapulco Heat. You, really? Yeah. And he was the cool guy on Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay, so they're making out, and then a man comes into the the door frame of Jane's office, and he's knocking, and they don't hear him, and they continue to just suck face, and then all of a sudden the man is like, <clears throat> "Excuse me," and, and they stop making out, <laughs> and she turns around, and she's like, "Oh, what's up, Dad?" Hi, Daddy, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh my God, that's got to be so embarrassing." Uh, her dad is played by Ken Howard. And Ken Howard might be the most powerful man guest star in Hollywood at this point in time. Um, Ken Howard was elected the national president of the Screen Actors Guild in September of 2009. Wow. Yeah. And he worked as a member of SAG for over 40 years. He has a Tony and an Emmy. What? He's working on the EGOT. Yeah. 
Uh, he's dead now, though, so he ain't working on that no more. But he was in uh, Michael Clayton, Rambo, J. Edgar, The Wedding Ringer. So um, he recently died. 30 Rock. Yeah, he died in like 2015? No, uh, 2000, no 2016 he died. But um, yeah, he, he's got a serious resume. Worked a lot. But um, yeah, that's Jane's. That's just Jane's dad in Melrose Place. Um, so Jane's dad, he's like, "Aren't you going to introduce me to your friend?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, this is retail guy. This is my business partner, Chris." And he's like, "Your daughter is quite extraordinary." Ugh! Yuck! I could never. Oh man! After I, you're after he sees you guys like making out, I would apologize. I'd be like, "Hi, I'm Chris." I I mean, I'm sorry, sorry. you had to walk in on that. Yeah, no one wants to see their daughter getting get the paws on her. Yeah. Ugh. So Jane's dad is explaining um, that they had a fight with Cindy about Sydney about the will and all that sort of stuff. No, he said he and his the mother had a terrible fight over everything. Because, uh, I guess, like, their mom. Oh, okay. Like, the mom was like, fuck Sydney. And the dad was like, Because he just couldn't accept that his little girl would be so horrible. Like, to go after Michael, and then the whole thing with the will, where she was trying to get the money, and all of that. So he's explaining to Jane that he has an appointment with the attorney that he's going to pay for, for Sydney, and ask Jane to go with him. And Jane agrees. And he also tells Jane that that he and their mother would not know what to do without Jane. That she, like, kind of, like, affirming She's Sydney. the golden goose. Exactly. Like, Sydney's whole thing of, like, you're, you're the favorite. Mom and dad love you. It's like, yep, it's pretty much that's correct. Yeah. And for good reason. Sydney sucks. <laughs> <Sydney's>, <laughs> she's really bad. So let's go to the beach house. Matt shows up. He's like, Michael? Hello? Michael, you there? And like, I forget who said this in our Facebook group, but they were like, there's just no locks on that beach house. <laughs> Anyone can yeah, come. Yeah, they just come, come and, and go, go as they please yeah. all the time. So Michael's laying in bed. Matt comes in and he's like, hi, Michael. Did you hear me calling? And Michael's like, yeah, I'm just waking up. So do I know you? Like, who are you? And Matt's like, yeah, I'm a friend of yours. And he says, oh, Kimberly said me and you weren't that close. (laughs) And Matt's like, oh, we've done some dirt together, bro. (laughs) And he's like, Kimberly's such an angel. I just really hope that I was as good to her as she's been to me when she was going through her accident. And he was like, Michael, it's a little more complicated than that. And then, of course, the perfect timing, Kimberly comes home and she's like, Oh, I leave you for a couple seconds, Michael, and here you are chumming it up with a work acquaintance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that she had to put that in to be like, you're no more than some acquaintance at work. I don't know why you're here. You and Michael are not close at all. Yeah. This is strange. Michael just met you a few days ago. What are you doing in the house? (laughs) So she takes Matt out of the bedroom and is like, well, Michael's got to get his rest. So come on over here, Matt. I think it's time for you to leave. And she says... The next time you want to drop by, I'd really appreciate it if you ran it by me first and you need to go. Bye now. And she says, uh, she's like, you know, doctor says, I mean, Michael's not really interested in getting a lot of information at this point. And Matt's like, 
that's odd because he was talking to me like he wanted to know everything. And then she's like, take a hike. Yeah. So back to lockup at the county jail. Sid hugs her dad. Um, and Jane is just sort of there. Yeah, so I guess they're there with her legal counsel to go over their strategy for this court case and how they're going to play everything. And she's he, the the dad's like, well, Mr. Baker's going to be representing you here, but um, we can't put up bail because you are way too much of a flight risk. And Sydney is very shocked to hear this. I think she probably was under the impression that since her dad was there, she'd be getting out of jail that day. Yeah. And then it seems that she really needs to have that verification from her father that he believes that she's innocent. And she's like, Dad, you believe me, don't you? Don't you? And her dad can't give her a straight answer. Yeah, her dad's like, well... Look, we've talked, and it might be better at this point if you pled guilty because you won't do that much time. So Sydney is appalled to you hear this. You don't love me. <laughs> you got Jane. You're throwing me away. You don't believe me. You don't believe me, Daddy. And she's like, "Well, guess what? Maybe I should have killed him, and I'd kill you too." And what? then she's being like led out by a guard and she's just looking at her dad screaming, I'm a killer, daddy. I'm a killer. Maybe someday I'll blow your head off. Jesus what? Christ. That's insane. Like, Sydney, bro, you got to relax in yeah. these moments. <laughs> and in front of so many witnesses, you're making death threats against everybody in your life. Yeah. They're, they're like, uh, we'd like to call that uh, worker to the stand. <laughs> yeah. What was that what security was guard? Yeah, what was Sydney saying at, 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 with her dad? Yeah. So now we go to literally the shittiest motel I ever saw. <laughs> that place is a dump. Well, that's where Allison and Meredith are staying while they're visiting back in Wisconsin, trying to get all this daddy stuff straightened out. They're late for the hearing, and then old purple dress fucking Cruella Deville shows up. Yeah. So their mom. Fuck her, man. I really don't like her. Horrible. She's the worst. She is horrible. The mother showed their mom shows up. How she found out where they're staying, who knows? She's supposed to be at this hearing right now, too, which is a little like, why are you here? Yeah. So I have to talk to you both. No, she's she says it very soapy. She's like, I have to talk to you. Both of you. <laughs> And Meredith sees her, and we learn that they haven't seen each other for 10 years. So this is quite the reunion. And this is the mother coming to urge them one more time not to go through with all of this, not to drag their father's name in the mud. Mm -hmm. And she's like, please, just let it alone. Just go away. Why are you doing this? She's like, I'm begging you, do not destroy my life. Can't you find forgiveness in your heart? How fucking selfish can you be? Don't destroy my life. Yours, though. Fuck yours. Yeah. And then Allison You were just like, molested by your dad. Yeah. And Allison is like, Mom, we need to get out the truth. And then their mother is like, you are pathetic. Don't you know that everybody lies? Everybody. You need to get used to that and face the facts. The world is full of it. And you know what? I wish I never had you. I wish the two of you had never been born. And I hate I hate that argument. That's a that's a bullshit argument. The whole like if this then that. 
Like, if you can't, if you care, for instance, like, if you care about, like, gun violence in the, or if you care about, like, gun violence against black people in the city, and then someone says, well, what about, what about gun violence over here? Blah, blah, blah. You don't really care about that. You're not, you're not stepping around about that. It's like, no, you can care about both equally. And, and the, the mom over here is saying, well, guess what? Everybody lies. Who gives a fuck about yeah, everybody? Yeah, I don't care what everybody else does. Yeah. I don't. And you know what? I, like, my life is pretty crappy because of this. Yeah. It's and, bullshit. Yeah. And, I mean, going back to this whole thing of, like, you are a mother. Those are your children. You need to protect them at all costs. What the moment you have that baby, your life does not matter anymore. Your yeah. needs are not above your own child's. She's a goddamn monster, and I hate her. Miss Parker, rotten hell. Yeah, she's horrible. We're back at Escapade Magazine where Nancy checks in with Billy. So Billy's sitting at his desk, kind of looking upset. He's like long face. Nancy's like, hey, is everything okay with you, Billy? And he's like, yeah, never been better. Everything's fine. Bye. And so Billy (laughs) continues working and Nancy walks away. And then Amanda calls Billy and he's like, yep, hello. And she's like, oh, I really like this copy. So I'm going to give it to Bruce. Um, And I love the numbers that you slipped in. Um, I have a couple changes though. Can you send it back to me? And Billy is like, dude, I'm not doing another version. You fucking change it. This is not my job. I have my own job and to do. And at this point, we're all kind of like, what is he doing for them? Yeah. Like, I didn't know what they were working on together. Apparently, he wrote something for D&D, and he refuses to make the changes. And it's like, if you don't like what I wrote, you can change it. But yeah. that's it. That is my involvement in this. Goodbye. Yeah, he's like, I just did y'all a favor. I really kind of shouldn't have. And... I'm not going to spend any more time on this. And I, I totally get it. I, I do too. I and plus, that. we don't even know what they're talking about yeah, at this point. That's the worst. When you like when you do a favor for someone you didn't want to do. And, and then they want more and you, you. Yeah, you think it's just done. And then they're like, oh, hey, what about this? Can you do this? Hey, what about that? Yeah. Hey, what about... No, nah, fuck off. I shouldn't have even done that. God damn it. You know? Next up, we are back with Jane and her father. And we learn that her dad is contemplating putting Sydney into the Hidden Hills Sanitarium, which is a mental institution. And here's the guidelines. It takes two signatures of any family to have someone committed. What? That's it? Is this 1956? That seems, what is going on? That seems very easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need? That's like, it? Like, me and Sarah could just... Put my dad away. <laughs> I mean, what is <laughs> up like, with that? Or my mom, or whatever. Like, I feel like siblings would just like get mad at, at the other and like just get some round up some cigs. Yeah, I mean, but Dan, See back ya. in like the 30s, 40s, 50s, people would do that to family members. What's the and what's the document? She cray check yes or no? P- I mean, <laughs> I, babe. It, it was like a very crazy thing that happened in the early part of last century. You're just like, oh, she's yes. nutty. People would be sent, like, if you had an affair on your husband or something, he could have you put away and say that you're crazy. Whoa. It's in, it's, it's, it is insane. 
That yeah. was the thing. But I thought, you know, by 94 that that there was a lot of reform yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't that easy to to put somebody away. But, you know, at, at this moment, Jane has kind of like this nostalgic look back of like, I remember that Sydney and I were best odd. friends. And she tells an odd childhood story. I, I got details on it. Give it to us. All right. She tells, she recalls a story of her and Sydney. They got moving boxes, okay? And they made them their homes side by side. Now, I started imagining this. Imagine two children mm-hmm. in boxes. Okay. And they have like houses on them. Yeah. And they're just like fucking sitting there in boxes. Like, these are our homes. <laughs> You think that's I thought weird? that was funny as shit. That's retarded. What? Yeah, that is stupid. Dan, and I would just do like, stuff like that all the time. We're home. These are our homes. Yeah, you... And there's like fruit and like food and stuff in there and like blankets and shit. I don't think that's weird at all. I think that's kind of strange. You take boxes and you make little forts out of them. I did that all the time as a kid. And they look like little homeless kids on the side of the no, road? No, it's not like you're being homeless kids on the side of the road. It's like you would do that in like your living room or your basement and you would create these little playhouses almost. We had different childhoods. Yeah, I guess so. Yours had no imagination. Oh, please. <laughs> Anyway, um, so she's really upset that it's come down to this, but she does acknowledge that perhaps being locked up in a mental institution beats being locked up in a prison. Let's go to the hearing. Yeah, let's do that, because we're not going to agree on this. No. Meredith is like, this is taking way too long. (laughs) Something's not right. (laughs) And the judge says, sorry, not the judge. The uh, lawyer The lawyer says that the judge is going to listen to both sides of the story and then determine if there's going to be a trial. And Meredith does say, well, aren't both parties usually in the same room as this occurs? And then he says, well, yeah, Judge Thomas likes likes to do things a little bit differently if there's a special. special case. And this is one of those. And then the dad and the mom... They roll out of the judge's office, with which looks like the size of like a janitor's closet, <laughs> and and Meredith starts just like melting down because the judge, uh, um, she she's like, this is all wrong. Mom was right. Everybody lies. You think that that the judge who got dad into the country club is going to find him guilty? I'm out of here! Yeah. She so tripping. Which is very suspect, too. I mean, like, this, this whole way that everything is set up is, it would make me feel like everybody is against me, too. Because the judge is like, all right, girls, are you ready to come in? Time to straighten this out. It's like, what, what do you mean straighten this out? It's time for us to give you our testimony yeah. of how our father abused us. We're not going to straighten it out right now. This is all one big misunderstanding. Yeah, it's like it's this whole town is in cahoots with this crazy father, and I get where Meredith is coming from. Like, what is being sold at the hardware store? <laughs> that people are like, we have to protect this man at yeah. all costs. How many hardware store owners are country club members in wisconsin like huh 
Well, she runs out of there and it does not look good for this whole case. This is where Allison should have grabbed her, smacked her in the face and said, get a hold of yourself. Relax. Yeah, she lets her go. We flew we flew all the way here, and now you're going to roll out? Yeah, and then the very next scene is Allison with the lawyer kind of just saying, well, we tried. It's like, so did you talk to the judge? We don't know. No, I don't think they We did. don't know if they if she talked to the judge at all. We don't know if they tried to, to figure anything out. It's just now it's assumed that we're going to drop it. This is a case that's not worth pursuing because the father does have such a high status in the community and it's not nothing will come of it. And Allison's just like, I should have known. What do you mean? What do you mean you should have known that your dad would get a meeting with this judge before you and then you'd get a meeting? Yeah, and now her lawyer is like, well, it's just now it's just you without Meredith. We don't have any collaboration of what could have happened so you pretty much don't have a case it's a lost cause go home so let's head back to escapades um nancy is like we've got a new advertising agency we're working with and billy what's up this article was really good yeah so billy tries to play it dumb like oh what we have a new ad agency oh that's weird yeah it's D. maybe you heard of them and then he's like oh yeah that's allison works for that company yeah billy funny story i'm working with amanda woodward over there and i was so impressed by the copy i let her know that and then she revealed that you were the one who wrote it yeah and she's like, I don't appreciate you moonlighting. Right. She says that Billy had signed a contract saying that he could only write for their magazine. And she felt that going behind her back in order to be in cahoots with D&D to get the business was unethical. And she tells him, clean out your desk. You're done here. Fired. Fired. You got canned, son. Now we go back to the dumb boat. <laughs> so yeah the She's scene like, opens where britney is rummaging through all of the cabinets and drawers she's obviously looking for something i and like the last person we saw doing this sort of like looking for something was joe looking for, for a, a gun a weapon yeah and you know at this moment i was like oh my gosh Finally, this makes sense because this whole Britney storyline is so unbelievable. Some woman is like, oh, save me. Of course, that could have happened. But now that she's on the boat with Jake, mm -hmm. her relentlessly trying to sleep with him and she's not leaving the boat. She's not looking for help elsewhere. That is really weird and unbelievable and kind of like, I don't buy this. But now seeing that scene, my brain immediately goes to, did she have some kind of connection to Reed yeah. where she thinks that there's still drugs or money or something in that boat and that's her motivation for being on the boat? I think she even pulled up the trap door where Joe Poop and Peter <laughs> She did. So it looked like she had prior knowledge of where these like cubby holes and places to hide things could be. Yeah. So, I mean, that moment for me was like, okay, now I can kind of invest into this story a little bit more because it seems that there's more to Brittany than, oh, I was, uh, I was I abused just by bang my husband. A stranger. Yeah. I mean, that was so bizarre and weird to me and like outside of the realm of like 
what would happen in the real world. Yeah. Um, so Jake rolls back into the boat and he explains to Brittany pretty pissed off that he walked into a buzzsaw back at Melrose place because, and I'm, I'm thankful that they spared us this. Me too. This yelling we did not need to Jake see this Amanda. with Amanda and Jake, but he's like, get your shit and get the hell off my boat. And, my question is, why would you ever let this person on your boat while you weren't there? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But then Brittany, one last time, is like, you know what, Jake? If you want me to go, I'll go. But you know what? You want to know what I think? You need a woman that's just going to take care of you and your needs. A woman that's only here to please you. Yeah, you've been around the wrong women. She wants to give you pleasure. And I wrote, why? <laughs> But now it's like, okay, there's some ulterior motive that we don't know yet. And she wants to buy time and gain his trust so she can still be on that boat. This scene was spicier, hotter than any scene Jake has done with Heather Locklear. Yeah. I don't know. I was way I, more I turned not, on for this. I don't like Jake and Amanda as a couple at all. No. So this was hot. They start making out. Jake takes off his shirt. They're going at it. It's like it's implied that... He get this. They hook up. <laughs> now we're at D and D, and Billy is Billy's now fired up. Right. And so he's like, he, I just got fired. And might I add, he bursts into an office where Amanda and Bruce are talking. So my question is always, how is Billy always getting into D and D? He knows that place like the back of his hand, like oh, yeah. where all the offices are. He bursts into this office screaming like. How dare you do this to me, Amanda? I stick my neck out for you, and I get fired? Yeah, and Bruce is just like, oh, what's up, Billy? Yeah, he's like amused almost. He like <laughs> turns around like, oh, like we've been expecting you. It's, kind yeah. of, it's so weird. He's like, well, that's, that's good timing because we want to give you a job. And Amanda's yeah. just behind him like, yeah, Amanda's giving Smiling. him some really weird looks. Like. She's like, take the job. <laughs> take the job. Well, yeah. Billy, we have an opening for a senior copywriting editor here at D&D. What do you think? How about you work for us now? And, and he's just like, um. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's implied that he does take the job because it ends with like Amanda looking into the camera with this like freaking weird gives, expression. Like Billy gives such odd facial. It's reads. hard. You don't know how to read what his face is saying. Yeah. He's just like looking like dumbfounded. Like, uh, Yo, uh. it is so easy to get a job at D and D. I know. Chaz like, got one in like six minutes. At a shitty Thai food restaurant. Yeah. Allison quit, got a job back. Billy now gets hired off nothing. It's it's very well, he easy. He did write a, some copy that was like very impressive. Oh, right. Joe became like the head photographer <laughs> for everything. In like two days. <laughs> yeah. You want a job, you go to D&D. So um, Allison is in a cab back to L.A.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, she's in a cab in Wisconsin to go to the airport to take her to L.A. Oh, right, right, right. And she tells the cabbie, hey, I want to make one pit stop. Can you take me to 434 Elm Street? Where I'm like, damn, she lives nightmare on Elm Street. There's <laughs> a nightmare. And maybe was mm. that something that the writers did just to put like a little nod to that? Like, 
Ding, 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 ding. You know, it, what? because all of the nightmares and that she's been having, and it's like... Nightmare this, on Elm Street. Yeah, this yeah. this guy coming in her dreams, trying to, like, mess her up. Yeah, and I think, I'm pretty sure the myth, the mythology of Freddy is that he was um, uh, a, a school janitor who hurt children, and he was burned. They burned him. The, the town, like, burned him. It would make sense. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Just, I thought that that was kind of funny that... Yeah. Her house is on Elm Street. Well, we don't know that that's her house. So right. the cabbie says, sure, I can make that stop there. And then the next scene, we see, Dan, you were very excited by this. A yo, whole- yo, <laughs> bruh. Like, all jokes aside, the food on that grill looked delicious. So we get a shot of this grill. And it's a big grill. Oh, man. And they're grilling Full racks of ribs. I was so hungry when I saw Dan that. Dan was like, oh my God, did you see it those like ribs? good ass ribs. And so Mr. Parker's having a, I got off for sexual molestation party. I don't know with what, the town? what the cause of this party is. What the fuck? It's very strange that Judge Thomas is in attendance, as is most of the people in the town. Yeah, and- was he like, I'm going to have a party now that my daughters <laughs> hate me. And what is the cause? We have no backstory about like what prompted this barbecue, yeah. but the whole backyard is like looks great. I mean, they've got like they the, the red, red and, and white, white gingham <laughs> little like tablecloths, and they're they're look like it looks. I'd well, like to need, attend this party. You don't need anything else but them ribs on that grill. God damn. <laughs> So we learn that a man that Allison is going there to confront her father one final time. Yeah. She rolls up to the party and the mom is like, Allison, you were invited to this. You need to leave now. It's like, what the fuck? And uh, <laughs> uh, she, she Allison talks to her dad and she's like, I know you think you beat me and Meredith, dad, but. I'm not going to go away. And then her mother implores her once again, this is not the time or the place to air our dirty laundry. And this Allison, ain't, This ain't dirty laundry. Yeah, I mean, this is far more than that. And yeah. Allison continues, all of the legal connections can't help you now, daddy. This is what you did to us when we were little. And she starts, her voice continues to get louder and louder. People start looking. They start taking notice. Everyone starts to like hush over the crowd. We were little and you touched us. And then it was almost like everybody stopped at that. And they're all looking at the Parkers and and witnessing this. The judge is like, he starts to like get wind and he's like, what the fuck? Like, like, what did he talk to you about? What did you think that they were going to talk? Like, why do you think that the whole hearing was scheduled? Yeah. You knew all of this too. And then the dad... He he just starts to lose it, and he's the, the he starts like blaming Mrs. Parker that she didn't want him. Yeah, so this was so freaking bizarre and crazy. It's disgusting. The dad like all but admits to this behavior in front of everybody. Yeah, and he's like, "You were cold, Miss Parker." You're- yeah. Tells the mother that she was cold and all he wanted was warmth. And that's why he had to resort to his own 
daughters. Barf. It's freaking disgusting. And how that somehow like explains away like what he was doing. And he's like, I didn't hurt you. It's like, what did you think you were doing? Yeah, bullshit, bro. That's like definition of hurt. So, and then people at the party hear this and they just like start rolling out. They just start leaving. (laughs) They're like, bye. I cannot be around this guy. We got to find a new hardware store. (laughs) And you're probably out of that country club now, you sick fuck. Yeah, so everybody, so basically this is Allison's redemption. This is, although she couldn't get her day in court, she couldn't have that, like him being in prison for what he did to her. At least she could publicly shame him and then get the secret out in the open that those closest to the family could know what he did. Yeah, so it's sort of a win, but not, not a legal win. Yeah. So there's there's a what do you call it? A consolation. A consolation prize. There there's consolation in that. Yeah. Yeah. So the next scene, we see the back of a man. He looks like an older gentleman, but he's looking out over the skyline of LA. You can see all the lights. It's nighttime. And I think it's fir- make out point. I, I think it might be. <laughs> and at first, Dan was like, I think that's Mr. Parker. And I was like, really? I mean, that's L.A. That's weird. We don't know who it is. And then we see Brittany walk into the frame and she begins talking to the man. And she says, well, it took a while, Palmer, but I finally got him to sleep with me. And then freaking Palmer Woodward turns toward the camera. And he says, good. I'm going to make Jake Hansen sorry he ever messed with me or my little Amanda. Mandy. <laughs> it's like Palmer's back and Palmer's he's seeking revenge. What? Palmer is back. He's out for blood. So something, something's going to go down Something's soon. afoot. Yeah. Now we go to lockup, county jail. Sydney is dressed in plain clothes. She's being escorted what looks like out. So she's under the assumption that somebody posted her bail and she's talking to the woman who's leading her out. Who did, who posted my bail? Wasn't my dad. He finally came around. I'm so happy. I'm going to get out of this place. And she's like, you're going to get a big false arrest lawsuit now. (laughs) (laughs) Real smug. Real like, Oh, I'm good. I'm so good. And then she, she leaves the room. She leaves the hallway and she's, she looks over and it's Jane and her dad holding hands in a very bizarre yeah. way kind of like when like for instance i'm really tall and when i would get my prom pictures done you know they we couldn't do the traditional like the guy stands behind me and like holds me around my waist because i'm like as tall as the guy so like they would yeah. always have me in my like prom pictures or homecoming pictures we would hold our hands in that like weird way that Jane and her dad are doing. Terrible. And like that's what it reminded me of. It's like, oh, all of like my dance pictures from high school are me posed with like my boyfriends, like, we're holding hands. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there well, uh, he's tall, the dad. He's like six six. And Jane is tiny. And so they're they're holding hands like that, and then Sydney turns around and she sees Three orderlies with a straight jacket. Yeah. Is that necessary? It is for Sydney. And so she's like, 
what? What's going on? She's putting all of the pieces to this puzzle together. And then she exclaims, this is illegal. What are you doing? And Jane and the father are just kind of like looking on like, oh, we're so sad it's come to this. But, but this is the best thing for her. We're doing, we're making the right decision. Then Sydney gets like all like tied up into this straight jacket with her hands hugging herself. She's like, you think I'm crazy? You think I'm crazy? No, daddy, daddy, I'm still your little girl. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And, and they she, haul her ass yeah, off to the loony and bin. and screaming. And then credits, end of the episode. So good. Better than the season opener. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, I think season opener had to kind of like establish these new plot lines. Yeah. But now that we're in it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I can, I can play with this. I'm ready. Yeah. So recap, Michael still doesn't remember anything and Kimberly is shaping his memories. Allison and Meredith go to a prelim hearing. Jake and the realtor, the retailer are now having a full-blown relationship. Billy gets fired for writing and hired by D&D for writing. <laughs> Brittany and Jake hook up. Matt starts to understand that Kimberly is controlling Michael. Meredith and Allison's abuse is revealed in front of friends and family at the Parker Barbecue. Joe is on a much needed vacation. Palmer has hired Brittany to seduce and ruin Jake. That's all I got. Sydney's committed to the mental hospital. Looney bin. So, 90s moments, what did you see, Daniel? All right, I've got, of course, the Altadena Milkman. Yeah, at first I was like, oh, when I was like, rewind that, rewind that. I thought it was going to be a Schwann's truck. Did you get Schwann's when... No, I did not get Schwann's. Did we talk about this What the already? fuck is Schwann's? I, okay, it was like... <laughs> what? It, okay, it was like back in the 90s, my, I would get it, my family would get it. And it was like a truck... That you would order these things like they, I remember my mom would always get chicken Kievs and like um, dreamsicle popsicles and it was like a frozen food company and you would place an order and they would come to your house and deliver the food to you. So it was like Amazon Fresh. Yeah, but, but like before and you didn't do it on the internet, you would like fill out a form and like probably mail it or give it to maybe your Schwann delivery dude when he would come and... That was really big in the 90s. Like, I, I totally remember it. And it was called Schwann's. And it was, like, this creamy yellow colored truck. And at first, that's what I thought it was. Hmm. I was like, oh, man, is that the, the Schwann's truck? But, no, it was an actual milkman. Interesting. So that's, like, a 1950s moment, not really a 90s. Hey, we'll it's, your, it. it's your moment. No one can take it from you. Schwann's. <laughs> okay, so... I have Amanda's little flip cell phone. Yeah, I, I have that too. And then paired with Allison on the payphone. And then paired with Allison saying, I'm available via phone or fax. <laughs> <laughs> Just fax me. Send me a fax. Uh, I've got Brittany Maddox's jean shirt. Oh, yeah. Nice jean shirt, bro. Sydney's reference to her being a Manson girl while, you know, all the Manson ladies were locked up in the 60s. Uh, I think that there was a lot of hubbub about them in the 90s. Mm. Yeah. I've got Billy working from a desktop with a laptop with a trackball mouse. <laughs> 
all remember those. Like sitting up like. Yeah. It's got like the, the big ass marble in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over at D&D, they had like one of those big box TVs in the back sur- the background. Oh, yeah. Um, Allison in that old ass cab, no seatbelts whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Also, back in Wisconsin, um, when they had that establishing shot that they were at the courthouse, there was a 1970s cop car that would be like the equivalent of today seeing like a 90s model cop car, like a Crown Victoria from yeah. like 98. Mm-hmm. Um, you would like see that. But back in the 90s, like I'm sure a lot of the police stations still had their 70s and 80s modeled like yeah. old boxy style cars. That's all I got. And then Sydney's plaid dress as she's being hauled off to the mental institution. That <gasps> like ankle length plaid dress. Poor Sid. So Dan, we can all learn lessons from our friends at Melrose Place. What do you take away from this episode? Well, Jenny, my lesson this week is to go with your gut. Jake's first instinct was to get Brittany the hell out of there on day one. He should have he stuck his ground because now he's going to be in over his head and someone's going to try to murder him. And um, along with that, Sydney should have gone with her gut and really like, like put Kimberly behind bars when she could have. And, and, and Michael, for that matter. She should have gone with her gut and, and gotten him in jail. So that's my lesson. What's yours? Mine is sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands to get actual results. I mean, we saw Meredith and Allison try to go the legal route of making her father, making their father pay for what they, he had done to them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. So Allison decides that she's going to stand up to her father in front of this crowd. And that I think, could be very damaging to him as well because people will know the real him and um, they can choose not to associate with him any longer after knowing what he's done. And now it's time for Bitch of the the Week! I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 Last week I said Mrs. Parker was the bitch. And Jenny said, swim fan 49 <laughs> was the bitch. Brittany Maddox. Brittany Maddox. And with uh, Facebook, with a vote of 15 to 3, and with Twitter, well, they're opposite. Twitter, with a vote of 3 to 1, Brittany was the bitch of the week. What? 3 to 1. And then Facebook... 15 to 3. Yeah, and I mean, if I could could have picked Mrs. Parker, I would have too. But yeah. hey, we can we have to have different bitches. So second week in a row. You're I the win. champion, Dan. I'm back. Now I'm you back, can baby. gloat and just throw it in my face all yeah. the time. I won bitch of the week with Mrs. Parker. You did, and Justin agrees with you. He said that without even re-watching the episode or listening to Dan's reasons. He knows that Mrs. Parker has and always will be an uber boss-ass bitch in his book. I get the whole stand by your man crap, but come on. You know your daughters are not lying, and you still stand by him? And to keep up appearances? 
Mrs. Parker, bitch of the week. Viv says, without question, Miss Parker, choosing her <laughs> her pedo ass husband over over her two daughters makes her a bitch in my book. I'm pretty sure she must have known about the abusive uh, the abuse and chose to ignore it to keep up with appearances. She's no different than Mr. Parker. I'm sorry to say this word, Jenny, but Brittany is just an annoying thought. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you've um, entered thought into our lexicon, Dan. That hoe over there. I would have never. I would have never have known what that is. It's, she is definitely a thought. So JoJo says that uh, she's got to go with Daniel J. Hill on this one, and Mrs. Parker is a major shady thought. Yes. <laughs> She secretly knew about her emotionally abusive excuse of a human being husband. She saw her older daughter leave because of it. Then Allison was trying to tell her something about her dreams, and she just dismissed it as if she's swatting a mosquito. I mean, she may have known. Then when Billy found out the truth, she blatantly denied it. She is a terrible mother, and I feel so bad for poor, annoying Allison. At least I finally understand her Fifty Shades of Messed Up narrative. They say that a person who has been molested has a molested as a child has 80% chances of becoming addicts and resort to self-destructive behavior, enter into abuse with um, vodka. Oh, wait. Enters absolute vodka alcoholism. The biggest bitch of the week award goes to drum roll, please. Insensitive Mrs. Parker episode could have been called end game. Mm. That's a good one, too. That's good. Kevin says, I am voting for the woman from the sea. Brittany. Ah, thank you, Kevin. Brittany, is that her name? She's the worst. And let me tell you, it's not going to get better with her. I think she must have graduated from the Andrew Shue Acting Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful woman, but she has no business acting. She's a model. Kathy Ireland, gorgeous. I love her um, Sports Illustrated photos, but I agree, Kevin. Pretty face, but why give her lines? Yeah. Um. And he also says, as much as I love season three, the problem is the D-list actors that they enlist to play certain characters. Not to spoil. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, Dan I... Cortez shows And up. Tracy Lords. Yeah. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, she's a freaking porn star. And she was in Crybaby, so mm. gotta love it. Um, Viv you know also... who else was in Crybaby? Johnny Depp. Amy Locaine. That's right. She was Johnny's love interest. Sandy. Yep. Ah, little more connections. That's right. Oh, I like that Viv also <laughs> finds that um, lady from the sea, Brittany, is super annoying, too. Yeah. Zach says, Mr. Parker, but only because she's got Allison's same blown-out helmet hairstyle. He said Mrs. Parker, oh. babe. Oh, uh, Miss Parker. Um, she's got the same blown out hair helmet hairstyle from season two and similar frumpy garb. That is a really good point. Maybe that's where Allison learned it. Yeah. I learned it from you, dad. Not only did she neglect her daughter, she was a terrible criterion of fashion, ensuring Allison would fumble through life as a giant loser. (laughs) She deserved better. 
Eric, you're going to go a different route and say Billy. Mm. Allison has had her whole childhood ripped away from her. Her dad molested her and just threatened to kill her. Her mom doesn't give a damn and wants to ignore it and be a creepy Stepford wife. And Billy is all, you don't want to marry me today? I go, bye-bye in my car now. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Kevin agrees. Viv agrees. Got a lot of people behind that one. Yep. Graham, though, has a, a really good um, a thing about how he despises Brittany Maddox. But the bitch of the week definitely goes to Mrs. Parker, who goes into complete panic mode when confronted with the allegations. Not only does she not give a shit about Allison and Meredith, but it seems to be all about her self-protection and the denial of her own culpability in the whole horrible affair. Her face when confronted by Billy is a total picture of now I know where Allison gets her stunned, shock, open mouth, wide eyed stare look. (laughs) What a total bitch. (laughs) He also says that my impression of Meredith made him burst out laughing on a train. Thanks for that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Graham. I really appreciate your feedback. This is crazy. (laughs) So this week, since I won, I will go first again. Without interruption, please. Okay. This week, my bitch is Kimberly Shaw. Here's why. Kimberly, how dare you take advantage of a man who lost his memory? You can't do that to somebody. You're being a bitch. You're painting this picture of yourself as this caring, doting fiancé, and then you tell him a, a, a lie about some other person who hit who 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 damaged you and scarred you then you go and be a bitch and you try to tell him that his friends aren't his friends and they're just work acquaintances that's fucked up if there's one person who has helped Matt who has helped uh Michael in this entire series it's Matt Matt saved his life Matt put him on a course for a freedom and helped him get um what was it fucking top honors uh doctor resident chief resident at the hospital kimberly you can't shield michael forever and you cannot be a bitch and and rewrite history and try to paint yourself as something that you're fucking not you're a bitch okay i'll take it My bitch of the week, and maybe it's because I didn't get my day for Mrs. Parker last week. I'm going with Mrs. Parker, guys. Because if she didn't solidify her bitchiness last episode, oh, hell to the yeah, she did this episode. We learn that Mrs. Parker really does know about all of these horrible allegations. She knows that they're all true before we could kind of give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she didn't really know. Maybe she suspected, but she wanted to try to protect herself and she was being in denial. We know for sure that she knew everything that was going on. And instead of shielding her children and protecting them, she let it go on and then pretended as if it never occurred. She then says the thing that no mother should ever say to her own children. 
I wish you'd never been born. Fucked up. That is something that coming from a mother to their own child is the most horrible thing you can ever say to a kid. I think, in my opinion, uh, I think that for those reasons, the way that she has, it's all about self-preservation for her and keeping up the appearances of her and her husband and their little family that they've built. I just think that that is inexcusable. And if we didn't know it last episode, we know it this episode for sure. I think this is the end of their storyline. I freaking hope it is because I'm done with this. I mean... It's awful what happened to Allison and Meredith, but I just think that we need to shed this and get on with our lives and just say once and for all, one last time, Mrs. Parker is the total bitch. And even though Mr. Parker, I think has like, of course, he's the one that perpetrated these horrible acts. She's the one that covered them up and made her daughters be in denial about them. She is the total bitch of this episode. Well, if she if she gets bitch of the week again, she'll be the first guest star to get back to back. Back to back, B O T dubs. B O T dubs. So you know where to vote. Facebook group. Get in our private Facebook group and vote there. Or get on Twitter and vote. Uh, Twitter can easily be be turned one way or the other because not a lot of people vote on that. So get get after it. As soon as this episode airs, or whenever I remember, the polls will be up. So, let's rename this episode. It was called, It's a Bad World After All. Also terrible. Who is naming these episodes? I don't know. I had trouble renaming this one. It took me a while. What did you come up with? There's so much, so much you could have named. But I'm renaming this, C is for Crazy in Cell Block C. (laughs) Because when she gets when she gets thrown into the straitjacket on the wall, it's painted cell block C. Mm. So she was in cell block crazy. Like it. <laughs> you? I'm renaming this one Deranged Dads. Deranged Dads. Plural? Yeah. Who else? Oh, Parker. We have Palmer and Mr. Parker. Wow. All right. That's good. Thank you. Deranged Dads. Or Diabolical Dads. I was going between the two. I was trying to do like a... I was working on like a Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe thing. <laughs> How would that weave it was, in? It was going to be like the liar, the bitch, and the... I couldn't <gasps> think of something Babe, else. Babe, that would have been so much better. Yeah, but I couldn't put it together. I couldn't string it together. Oh. It was like the, li- the liar, the bitch, and I was going to say like the whore clothes <laughs> or something. <laughs> Oh, we could have come. Work. That, that's great, though. Tried, but couldn't do it. The lion, the bitch, and the warden. Because she's going to a new jail. Mm. I don't know. Maybe you guys can think of something better. The liar, the bitch, and the whore knows. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So, so predictions. What do you think is going to happen in upcoming episodes? Well... I mean, we saw a little piece of it, but when Matt gets cooking on something, he's going to analyze it and like and really uncover something. So you think he's the key to Sydney's freedom? Yeah, he's going to meddle. He's going to meddle there. He's going to uncover. He's going to be watching Kimberly 
with a fine tooth and like go through her with a fine tooth comb and sort of free Michael of his, or maybe he's going to re-jog uh, Michael's memory. Mm. So he's going to play a major role in that. Uh, I think Sydney, I think Sydney might break out of the loony bin. <laughs> I think she might break out. And um, uh, Palmer is going to attempt murder on Jake show and Billy the dynamic at D&D Allison's gonna come back from this is gonna be fucked up but Allison's gonna come back from Wisconsin and come to work and Billy's like desk is just gonna be like all set up next to her it's gonna be it's like, gonna be next to her I totally agree with you on that but I and think she's gonna be like, "What the fuck is going on?" And like, like Amanda's gonna call him in for like meetings. Yeah, and, and like she's not gonna be a part of them. And like, are they getting married? Who the fuck knows? I think that that he, he and Amanda are gonna rekindle a relationship, oh, and then God. Allison is gonna have to see it play out like right in front of her, and she's gonna hate her life. Yeah. Oh God! I really think that that's what's gonna happen. Uh, we'll see some more Joe, baby, Joe and yeah, baby. Yeah, we need to see. But we missed Joe this episode. Yeah, we miss you, Joe. So I think that the abuse storyline is over. I really hope so. I mean, while I think that childhood molestation is an important topic and one that we should treat very lightly, um, it it just it's tough to podcast about. <laughs> it really is. And and it's something that like, let's just get to the cheating and the lying and the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so I hope that that's done. I think Kimberly is going to mold Michael into the man that she wants him to be and really try to like, like pretend that he's something that he's not. I love your prediction about Matt really holding the key to Kim, like to Sydney's freedom. She's and she's got to do something, right? I think you're totally right about that. Um, I and I'm trying to understand how Brittany sleeping with Jake is going to like <laughs> mess it up. Like in yeah, order when, to exact revenge on on Jake via Palmer. Whenever someone is like I got a big plan and I'm going to I'm going to screw him over, like they just have sex with him every day. Yeah, like, I'm like-, like, <laughs> like Kimberly and Michael, she's like, "Don't worry, Mr. Levin. I'm going to I'm going to fix this." And you just fuck him like five times in a row. <laughs> Like, this is punishment. Sign me up. I'm just trying to, like, figure out what, like, how that could be part of, like, the end game. She's going to sleep with him and then praying mantis him afterwards. I don't don't know. Is it just establishing trust with her and that's going to be the end to, like, I I don't know. Um, I'm having a lot of problems with, like, predicting where that's going to go. Obviously, it's some, it's a part of some plan that Palmer has, but... I'm having trouble figuring it out. And I have the same prediction as you, too. I think that Kim, that Sydney's going to break out of the asylum somehow. Do it. I've, I had that first, but now that you brought up the Matt thing, I'm thinking, well, maybe actually it's gonna Matt's going to be the catalyst and get her out like the right way. She... I remember her going joining a cult. God, please get to those episodes. I remember her joining a cult. So sounds maybe, amazing. Maybe she breaks out and goes to a cult or meets someone in the loony bin who is in a cult. Maybe. And, and that's how it goes down. But uh, yeah, this um, this is getting good, guys. 
It's getting good. I, I really enjoyed this episode much more than the season three opener and the season two finale, actually. Really? Yeah, I really did. Um, there was some cool... If you go to our Facebook page or our Facebook group, um, Justin posted a cool BuzzFeed um, quiz. You can find out <laughs> which Melrose Place bitch you are. I got Michael Mancini, y'all. Oh, I got Dr. Kimberly Shaw. Oh, you crazy. <laughs> you I crazy. was really happy about that. Um, Donald posted a picture from IMDb of Kimberly and Sydney and uh, called them what I called them the, the murder team. <laughs> like, murder team, the 94. Murder, the murder <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> murder team, high five. Um, let's see, what else happened? Oh, um, Amanda posted some some cool uh, stuff from eBay that's being sold. Um, an authentic tile from the set of Melrose Place is on eBay right now. And a promotional snow globe with water from the set of the pool. From the pool set. That would be a cool prop to have. Yeah. Dan, do you think Prop Store would ever do any Melrose Place stuff? Maybe, if we got it. Dan works for a company that buys and sells props and costumes yeah. from film and television. Oh, I would love to get the Melrose. I Place mean, stuff. if you got anything from, they're doing an auction for we, General Hospital. Yeah, uh, that ended. That just ended on Friday. Oh well. But, um, if you're a fan of General Hospital, sorry that you missed it, guys. But this thing's up for fifty bucks. I mean, if you did General Hospital, yeah, Mel- Melrose Place isn't off the table. Melrose is not far off. Yeah, not far off. Um, yeah, there, you got to get in our Facebook group, man. It's, it's where it all goes down. Justin posted some really cool commercials, like old, like ads for Melrose Place on Wednesdays and Monday. It's just fun. Oh yeah. And there's this, uh, cool, I should repost this. There's a cool, um, YouTube about Darren Starr talking about the censorship of the the Matt gay kiss with um with Billy's best friend and how it didn't air but they shot it mm. and um and there's also and wasn't it a surprise to Doug Savant and the other cast members that it wasn't aired it was edited out like at the last minute yeah the the shot scene like they shot the scene it ha- like he definitely kissed him and they they have that footage um and i think Doug Savant was pretty pissed off yeah because i had he, read that previously too he felt like he was used for um for like notoriety but they didn't show it so it's like, what the hell? I was just a pawn in this game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And guys, we got two new reviews. Oh, Yay! shit. Thanks for reviewing us, guys. Yeah. So, as promised, we read our reviews even if they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, these are good. So, the first one comes from Kiki underscore Alexander 24. And they say that they are addicted to this podcast. I have been binge listening to the podcast for weeks. I am finally caught up and I am loving it. I love the chemistry between Dan and Jenny, and the impressions are hilarious. 
Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I loved watching Melrose Place growing up, and I am really enjoying rewatching now. You guys do a great job. It makes me smile on my ride home after a long day. That's the best Yay, to hear, Kiki. man. Kiki, I'm so, so happy to hear that we can accompany you on your rides home and that, you know, we can entertain you and you're happy listening to us. We that's, That's why, why we, we do, do it. it. Yo, sometimes it's hard, man. Like, I'll be out of town editing on an airplane a couple weeks ago, or it'll be really late, you know, but hearing that people are really digging the podcast and they look forward to it so much, it, it makes me uh, it makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. So thank you so much for writing that. And then, as if that review wasn't great enough, we got another one, guys. Damn. And this is from Charles Eddie or Edie. Charles. Who says, the hills are alive with the sound, dot, 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 which I love. Of Melrose. Um, and he says, and if you love smut-filled 90s nighttime soaps like myself and our dynamic hosts, you will love the Melrose Place podcast hosted by Dan and Jenny Hill, a fabulous husband and wife team. Just how fabulous are they? So fabulous that they make getting through the slow crawl that is season one actually bearable. In fact, Dan and Jenny can always be counted upon to stay on topic as they break each episode down scene by scene with hilarious commentary, often accompanied by hysterical impersonations by Dan of some of the characters. Yes. Oh, thank you. Who? Oh, is that um? That was Terrence. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rhonda, baby. <laughs> and their dissection of the series is so incisive and on point that you'll get to the end of an episode wondering where the time went. In addition to a terrific podcast, our personable hosts, through their presence on all forms of social media, have created a growing community with which they regularly interact. So what are you waiting for? Give the hills a listen, and you'll soon find that this is no slipshod podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Charles. That was an, an amazing review. Again, I mean, I don't, we don't like to stroke our own egos here, but it just makes I us. I love it. I love stroking my ego. <laughs> it just makes us feel um, so happy that you're liking what we're doing. And we're just so humbled by your feedback. And we th- just love knowing that someone is there. Hello. <laughs> Is anyone there? Mayday, mayday. Thank you guys so much, man. If you want to leave us a review, we will gladly read it. But you have to write it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yo, Zach. Zach is one of our latest Patreon contributors. Shout out to Zach. Thank you, Zach. We appreciate it. And Kristen is up updated her, pa- her Kristen, you are the bomb thank you so so much for your contribution to our podcast that goes a long way for us thank yeah. you thank you guys so much and um we appreciate it we got we got something in the works for y'all down yeah. the road for our patreon supporters we got some grand shit going We've, down we are in the works of putting some things together so we're very excited and we'll begin announcing these things in the coming weeks as we start putting things in place and if you if you've been a patron of ours for more than a month send send me send us a message and i'll get you um some stickers yeah a private message us and we will get your um address yeah and we'll send that shit to you. I don't care where you are. We'll send it to you. Even if you're in 
Timbuktu, they're coming to you. Yep. We sent I sent one to freaking Ireland. Easy. 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 So we are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at Melrose Pod. You can email us, melrosepod at gmail.com. And um, Patreon, if you want to contribute to the podcast, um, go to patreon.com slash melrosepod. We love smut. And we love you. Bye. Peace. (laughs) Peace.